Good morning. It's great to see everybody today. It's fun to be with you. Like Bevan said, my name's Elliot. I'm the Connection Pastor, and we are continuing our series that we have titled Reset. Now, Easter of last year, uh, my kids created a game called Throw the Magnifying Glass. And the game, the name of the game perfectly describes what the game is. We have some little handheld magnifying glasses in the house. And in the game, what you do is you simply throw it in the air and see what happens, see where it lands. And the kids decided that the perfect playing field for throw the magnifying glass was in our living room. Now, my wife and I weren't aware that this was taking place. We were in the kitchen talking, and my kids started playing throw the magnifying glass, throwing it in the air, seeing where it landed. When one of our kids walked in to the kitchen and said, this is exactly what they said, they said, we were playing throw the magnifying glass, and daddy's phone got hurt. Now, that's one of those things that you're like, what? Like it, I mean, it perfectly described the event that took place, but it needed so much explanation. So we started to ask, okay, what was going on? What were you guys doing? And it turns out that was exactly right. They were playing throw the magnifying glass, and the magnifying glass landed perfectly on my phone and shattered the screen. I mean, just like pieces of glass were coming off the screen. So that's when, as a family, we decided throw the magnifying glass is no longer a game that we're going to play as a family and I got a new phone. Now, you know how it is when you get a new electronics device. They come and they've got an owner's manual with them, a user's guide. Has detailed instructions of everything having to do with the device. Explains how to use it, explains what to go, if, what to do if there's problems. And it comes in the little box that the phones come in. Actually, they know we're not gonna read these user guides or owner manuals. So they just give us a link to the PDF nowadays because they know instead of reading the user guide, what we're going to do is we're going to talk to our friends or we're going to go and watch a YouTube video and figure out how it works and kind of do it on our own. And that's actually an approach. We don't just take that with electronics. We also take that approach when it comes to life. And as the creator of the world and the designer for how life is supposed to work, God, he gave us a user guide. He gave us an owner's manual, his instructions for life and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to think that's all found inside of the Bible. But instead of taking the time to read it, because very few people actually will take the time to read it and see what God has to say, instead of that, what we'll do is we turn to friends or we turn to social media or memes or podcasts to figure out how life works and how we're supposed to live. And all those things, they provide us with ideas, ideas about how life works, ideas about how to live a life of value, ideas about how to raise kids or build a marriage. And we are surrounded by ideas, all different kinds of ideas, coming from various sources all the time. And the, some of the ideas that we're presented with, some of them are really good ideas. Some of them lead to human flourishing. But there's also ideas that we're presented with that, honestly, they're just, they're really dumb ideas. I mean, if you sit down and think about it, you're like, it's really not very intelligent. Who came up with this idea? And there's even ideas that we're presented with about how to live life or how to build a marriage that actually, on the surface, they look okay, but they're actually, they're evil ideas. They're ideas that lead to destruction and suffering. And so with all these ideas floating around, a challenge that we all have is how do we know which ideas to choose? How do we know which ideas are the good ones that are going to build to the future that we want versus the ideas that are destructive and going to cause pain? How do we know which ideas to choose? And again, you and I, we are not the creators of this world. We are not the designers of how life is supposed to work. 
And so what you and I need to do is we need to get out the user manual, listen to it, pay attention to it, figure out what God says, so that the ideas that we're using to build our life on are the ideas that God says, in fact, these are the ideas that line up with how the world works, how reality works, who you are, what the problems with the world are. We need to reset our minds. We need to take the time to get out the user manual and figure out what God has to say. Now, this last year, this year, I think there's just been so many big ideas. I mean, Bevan just kind of alluded to it a minute ago, but there's so many big ideas that have been thrown our way through the course of this last year. And for me, over the course of this year, I think a theme for me has been I need to continuously take the time and do the work of resetting my mind, resetting my thinking on some of the different issues that are going on. And it started for me actually almost exactly a year ago, last February, when uh, news of the virus started to spread and it started to show up on headlines and people started talking about it and talking about the impacts that it might have on us. And we weren't in a shutdown yet. We weren't in stay-at-home orders, but people kind of knew, okay, something big is coming. There's this virus and it's going to impact all of us. So I took some time at that point and I was kind of seeing this coming and said, okay, well, how should I think about this? So I sat down and I made a kind of a to think list about the coronavirus. And I'll, I'll share it with you. This is kind of what I came up with in last February. So I wrote down a, a number of things, how I should think about um, the virus. First thing I wrote down, and this was all based on, I came up with the list, um, either verses that I had committed to memory, you know, in reading the Bible, verses that stood out to me. And I was like, I, I need to remember that verse. So I would commit it to memory or passages that I had spent time thinking through or studying and kind of realizing, okay, I think this speaks to this. So I kind of, over time, had kind of developed an understanding of some different ideas. So I, I sat down and I made this list. The first thing on the list is God is in control. So I wrote that down, God is in control, and had a verse that had to do with it and kind of like explained it a little more. So God, because of God is in control, he is not surprised by this virus coming. He was, this did not throw off his plan. He's going to use it to advance his plan. So I wrote that down, had some verses to go along with it. Next thing I wrote down is plagues and global pandemics are part of life in our fallen world. Again, the Bible actually tells us these things are going to happen. It says, hey, this is, this is part of life and the world that you live in. Even with the advances in modern medicine, we, we can do a lot of good with modern medicine, but at the same time, we cannot eliminate or prevent these things from happening. So based on what the Bible says, that you know, is something that I took note of. That's something I've, I've got to keep in my mind. A third thing I wrote down is I'm not to put my hope in health, in my health, but in the fact that Jesus gives life and death. I mean, this is one of those really kind of foundational things to what we believe as Christians. Jesus, because of what he did, he offers us eternal life. And when we place our faith in him, we don't have to fear death because we know that there is life after death. So I wrote that down. I don't have to put my hope in health, but in the fact that Jesus gives life and death. And the fourth thing um, I put down, and again, I had, I had verses and passages to kind of help me make sure that I wasn't making this stuff up, but this is actually what God's word said. Fourth thing I wrote down is God instructs me to love my neighbor as myself. And for me, kind of what I noted next to that, in addition to some of the references, is I need to be wise, I need to be educated, try to understand what's going on, but self-preservation is not my priority. The priority needs to be, who are the people God's placed around me? How can I help them? How can I serve them? How can I show love to them? So I made this this list, kind of back in February, this kind of how to think about the coronavirus list, and it's been very helpful because what I've experienced is what many of you have experienced too. 
much of the news coverage that we're presented with and many of the social media posts and even conversations we have with people, it's not just, you know, here are some facts, here are some statistics, but we're being presented with a set of ideas on how to think about things, a set of ideas when it comes to the virus of where did it come from and what are the causes and what are the reasons that this has happened and is there somebody behind this and what's going to happen, what is the future going to look like because of this and how should we respond to it. We're, we're being presented with a list of ideas all the time. And with this list of ideas, a challenge is, you know, some of them are good ideas. Some of them are ideas that we need to consider and we need to act on, but there are also some of the ideas that they're really faulty ideas. They're just, they're not good ideas. And just like anybody else, you know, I'm just like the rest of you. I can believe lies. I'm prone to not always think correctly. And also, this is not just a, you know, when it comes to the virus, this isn't just a objective topic for me to consider. I mean, this is personal. It hits home. I, I've been impacted by it. My my family's been impacted by it. People that I love have been impacted by it. So it's not just purely objective. So again and again, I found myself in situations where I've got to go back and say, okay, I'm starting to kind of get spun up by this, or I'm starting to think this way. Does that really line up with what God says? Does that really line up with what the user manual has to say? And I've had to go back again and again and say, okay, well, what does God say? What do I, what do I know from God's word about how I'm supposed to think and how I'm supposed to live? So it kind of started February with the coronavirus, and there's been kind of a process as I've gone through that. And then, we all know, that, that wasn't the only thing that happened last year. Then there was the death of George Floyd, and the protests, and social unrests, and discussions about social justice, and race, and all that came about through that. And again, I had to sit down and say, okay, well, what does the Bible actually have to say? I mean, I'm getting hit with ideas from all different directions on this topic. But what does God actually have to say on this topic? And then the fall started to roll around, and then it was election season, and a whole nother can of worms. And it was, okay, well, what does God have to say about these things? How should I think about this? What are some of the issues at play here? So again and again this year, I've had to sit down and think, okay, well, here's a big idea I'm being presented with. What does God actually say in this situation? Now, I was hoping that at the beginning of the new year, that we would be able to leave the problems of 2020 in the past, and just kind of gradually enter into 2021, and it would be way better and happier and a whole lot less analyzing of big ideas. But then last Wednesday, I went home for lunch, and I was sitting there, and I had my phone out, and I was scrolling through the news feed, and um, I started to see all the headlines about what was happening at the Capitol. And the thought that went through my mind was, oh, man, here we go again. Another big idea that I've got to spend some time thinking about, okay, what does God actually say? What does he have to say in this situation? Just like Bevan talked about at the beginning of the message. What, what does the Bible say about this? Not just what's my knee-jerk reaction or my first response to this. But in the midst of all these big national, even global issues and all the different ideas we have to choose from and how to think about these things, I still have my marriage with my wife and we've got three kids that we're raising, and we've got a fourth kid on the way. And how I think about my marriage, the ideas I choose to believe and act on, will determine the kind of marriage that I have. 
And when it comes to parenting, it's the same way. The ideas that I choose to believe and act on with my parenting, with our kids, those will determine how I treat them and the, project, the, the trajectory that I set them on for their lives. So those ideas are super important. Actually, the ideas that I choose in the areas of marriage and parenting, those ideas, they actually have more immediate and personal consequences than the ideas that I have about the national and the global stuff. It's not that that other stuff doesn't matter. It does matter. I need to think clearly and be wise about those things. But my marriage and parenting, that's literally the future and the home that I'm building. And so I need to be really careful to, to take the time and put in the work and say, okay, the ideas that I'm building this future on with my wife and for our kids, do these line up with what God says in the user manual? I have to continuously go back to God and say, go back to the Bible and say, what does God say? Do my ideas in an area need to change? And what I've experienced again and again, and I'm sure you've experienced this, is often my ideas do need to change. My first reaction or my first thought isn't always the right one. And so instead of just going with whatever the popular idea is, or instead of going with whatever my best guess is, I've got to get out the user manual and ask the question, what does God say? And does my thinking in an area need to change? Now, one of the challenges, there's, there's several challenges if we're going to reset our minds around what God has to say. But one of the big challenges that we all face is the challenge of time. There's no way around it. If you're going to reset your mind based on what God says, it's going to take time. And specifically, it takes time in two ways. First of all, it takes time in that you've got to learn and consider what God has to say. That takes time. The second thing you've got to do, which takes time, is then you've got to start making changes based on what God says. We don't just put in the time to learn what he says and then kind of acknowledge it and say, yeah, I know that God says this, that's right, that's true, and then we just go off and do our own thing. If we're going to reset our minds and experience the benefits of it, we've got to go and figure out, okay, this is what God has to say, this is what's going on in my life, so based on what God says, how do I live in this current set of circumstances. And that's work. It takes time to figure out how to do that. But I know for my life, I often, I don't want to put in the time. I don't want to do the work. And because we don't want to put in the time and do the work, we increasingly become reactive instead of proactive with the challenges that we face. You know, with my phone, with electronics, it's okay to be reactive with problems that your phone faces. I mean, if your phone starts to have a problem, once it has a problem, okay, well then pull out the user guide, start to read, and see what's going on. That's okay to be reactive in that situation. But it's very different when it comes to life. See, life problems, they take a long time to develop, and they are very complex. There are no quick fixes and quick finds. But because we usually take the same mentality that we do to our electronics and apply that to life, we think, you know what? I don't really need to read the Bible. I don't, I don't really need to get input. I'll just kind of do what makes sense to me. And then, you know, if I do encounter a problem or I can't figure it out, well, then maybe I'll call somebody or maybe I'll see what the Bible has to say. But again, life, the problems, these, they take so long to develop and they are so complex. You don't want to be reactive with this stuff. You want to be proactive because the ideas that we choose to believe those are the instructions. They're, they're like the blueprints that we're using to build our lives. And you don't want to realize down the road 
that the blueprints and the instructions that you've been using are the faulty ones. So instead what you do is as you're building, as you're constructing your life, as you're making decisions, instead of going with what's popular or going with your best thinking, you need to take God's word and use it as the guide as you build, as you go through the process. We need to be proactive about using the user manual instead of reactive. Now, I'm guessing that today, which, and this is fine, I'm guessing that some of you are thinking, I have no idea how to do what Elliot's talking about. I mean, he's a pastor. Surely he went to school for this stuff. You know, don't we pay him to, like, read his Bible 60, 70 hours a week anyways? So, yeah, he can come up with a list of how to think about the coronavirus or, yeah, he knows this stuff, but, yeah, I, I'm not really sure where to get started. And if that's where you're at, that's fine. Go and ask somebody. That's maybe the first step that you can take in being proactive is come and ask one of us on staff or if you're in a growth group, go ask your growth group leader and just say, how do you do this stuff? How do you start learning this book so that you can take it and put it into practice? Because again, you don't, you don't want to just kind of take the mentality of, oh, I'll use it when I need it. You want to use it as you build. You want to be proactive about learning what it has to say and applying it to your life. And another thing I want to say is if, if some of you are thinking, well, you know what, I've built without it for so long that at this point, you know, what good's it going to do? If you're thinking, don't believe that lie. Because something that God's word, the user manual, will do is it'll meet you wherever you're at. Wherever you're at in the building process, whatever mistakes or problems or consequences you're experiencing, the beauty of God's word is it can enter in and start speaking to that situation immediately. So don't take the mentality of, oh, this is too hard, this is too complex. Yet yeah, it is hard, it does take time. But be proactive and also don't, don't come to the conclusion of, well, you know, it's too late for me. I've lived enough life without it to where it's not going to really do any good. No, it'll, it'll meet you right where you're at and it'll speak to the situation that you're in. So if, you, if you've got questions, get help, be proactive, ask somebody how to do it. There's a really fascinating passage in the book of Psalms, and it talks about the benefits experienced by people who continuously reset their minds based on what God has said. This is what it says in Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 through 9. It says this, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. This, this passage, this is part of a poem, and there's six statements about God's word, six statements about the user manual, followed by six benefits, six ways that it benefits our lives. Let's, let's walk through this. First thing it says is, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Now, when it says... God's law, when it refers to God's law, it's talking about all that he's revealed for how to live life. It's his instructions and his will for our lives. It's the user's manual. That's what it's talking about when it says the law of the Lord is perfect. And it says the effect it has on us is it refreshes our soul. My, um, my neighbor recently had a dead battery. The battery on her car died. And so she came and asked if um, I could help her um, jump her battery so she could get to work. So I took one of the kids out um, to help her do this. And because of where she had parked in the driveway, 
Um, we couldn't get to her car so that we could jump the battery, so we knew that we were going to have to push the car out. So we were going to have to push it in, put it in neutral and push it out. So I, I asked her for the key so I could, you know, get in and turn the ignition switch and put it in neutral and push it out. And I, um, when she handed me the key, instead of, you know, one of those kind of old school keys, she handed me a key fob. And as soon as she gave me that little key fob, I was like, oh man, I have no idea what I'm doing in this situation. If you'd have given me a normal key, yeah, I'd put it in the ignition, I'd turn it over, put it in neutral, push it out. But with this key fob, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I was like, I didn't say that right away. You know, you don't want to say that, you know, because you're trying to help. So I was like, oh, okay, cool, you know. And so I got in the car and I was like, well, maybe, maybe it still worked. Maybe push the ignition switch and... You know, so I pushed the ignition switch, nothing happened. No change, wasn't able to get it neutral. Started looking around, maybe there was like some weird hidden button under the dash or something that I could push, get it in neutral, couldn't find anything. So I just sat there for a second, kind of frustrated, stuck, not knowing what to do. And then I pulled out the user manual. And so I got in the glove box, pulled it out, and sure enough, there was a, there was a pretty straightforward way to get the car in neutral push it out of the parking spot so we could jump the battery. You know, if, if I wouldn't have pulled out the user manual, I would have just sat there stuck. She was trying to get to work. She would have been late for work. Her frustration would have grown about being late for work. And oftentimes, this is kind of what happens in life when we go through life without the user manual. We try, we try one idea over here, and we don't really like the way that it's working out. So, okay, well, that idea didn't really work. So, then we choose an idea over here and we start to build our life based on that idea, but it doesn't really look like it's headed for the future that we thought we wanted. So, okay, well then we don't do that idea. And then we try another idea and we start to build life on that idea. And then we get to a point where we're like, I really don't like the way that this one's working out. And so increasingly we get more frustrated, we get worn out, we get stuck. But then you pull out the user manual and you figure out what God has to say. And it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like, oh, it's, it's refreshing. Like it says, it refreshes the soul. Instead of being in the dark, there's now clarity about what to do. It's a very refreshing experience. The next thing it says is, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. What this is saying, I, I, I love what this is saying. It's saying, you don't have to learn the lessons of life the hard way. God's instructions will help you get through life with fewer scars. In the Bible, there is wisdom far beyond your years that you have access to. You don't have to be the simple person that says, well, you know, I'm just one of those people that has to learn the hard way. You actually don't have to. God's word can make, like it says, wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. And who doesn't want a life of joy? It's what most of us pursue in life. Joy, what it is, is it's an internal happiness that is not dependent on our circumstances. A deep sense of joy is something that can't be taken away from us. And the joy that's talked about here, it's given as a result of taking God seriously and living life the way that he instructs. And the joy grows over time because more and more you realize, like it says, it says, the, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The joy comes because you know you're headed towards the right destination and the right goal. So the joy, it increases over time and it's something that circumstances and people cannot take away. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Recently, um, our family was up near Sequoia National Park visiting a friend, and we were kind of deep back in the mountains there. And um, when we were playing, one of our kids um, had a pretty bad fall and hit their head. 
And so we were trying to figure out, um, was it a concussion or what was going on with our child? So thankfully there was an EMT with us and um, we were, the EMT checked our uh, kid out and they said, well, you know, it was, a, it was a hard fall, but I don't think there's a concussion. I don't think there's any, you know, brain trauma. But what he said was, he said, often with stuff like this, what can happen is the effects start to show up hours after the event took place. So he said, you know, it's getting dark, and because of where we're at in the mountains, medics aren't going to be able to get to us if your child starts showing symptoms of brain trauma. So the best thing for you to do is just pack up the car and get off the mountain right now. And if you've ever driven near, you know, Sequoia National Park, through the park, or kind of in that part of the Sierras, you know that the roads, I mean, there are these mountain roads. They're, they're tr massive trees on either side. It's night. It's dark. There's not street lamps. You know, as you're driving, there's often there's big cliffs or drop-offs to the side and very few guardrails. And I'm so glad that we had headlights on the car. Because of the headlights on the car, we were able to see the road in front of us and make it off the mountain safely. And that's what this is saying. That's, what, that's how God's word functions in our lives. It says the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. They're almost like the headlights we use to navigate through life. What this is saying is you can make it through some really dark seasons of life and you can make it to the other side safely when God's word is shining a light on the road in front of you. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Next it says the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. What this means is there is nothing in his instruction that will corrupt you or defile your soul. As you take him seriously and live based on what he says, you're going to find more and more freedom from sin in your life. And God's instructions, like it says, they're enduring forever, so they don't change with the seasons. They don't morph and evolve like the ever-changing moral standards of our society. They endure forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. What this means is when you build your life on God's decrees, they're firm meaning that you're building your life on something that's not going to erode out from under you over time. It's stable. It's intact. It's, it's not going to erode under you over time. And they're righteous. That means that they're exactly how they should be. Now, now let's, let's think back through this list of benefits, and let's consider what our experience over the last year has been with these benefits. It says, you know, if we take God's word seriously, we put it into practice, the effect it has on us is it refreshes our soul, makes wise the simple, gives joy to the heart, light to the eyes, it's pure, there's increased freedom from sin, it's a firm foundation, means that we have a stronger foundation to build from. Now just think about kind of the last year, everything going on in this last year. Has your experience been a sense of you continuously find yourself refreshed, or are you increasingly worn out with everything going on? Are you, are you growing in a sense of, I have, I have more experience and wisdom in how to navigate the challenges of life, or do you just keep running into brick wall after brick wall? Is your joy growing? Is there more clarity on the next thing to do in your life? Is there more freedom from sin at the, result, at the end of this last year, or is, is sin kind of gaining a foothold in your life? Do you have a sense of the foundation I'm building on? This is a strong foundation that will not be shaken. What, what in your life, what is your sense, you know, of these six things? For me, when I think of my experience for this last year, it's really been up and down. 
it's been a mixed bag. There have been some times where I'm really experiencing these and other times where I'm asking the question, where's the joy? You know, sometimes where I've got a lot of clarity on what to do and other times where I'm just, I'm worn out and I don't really want to go forward anymore. But I read through this list of benefits and I think, I really want those. I want this to be my experience, not just occasionally, but I want this to be my experience all the time. And if that's going to be something that I experience, then what I've got to do is I've got to put in the time, do the work, get out the user manual, figure out what it says, and then figure out how to take those ideas and put them into practice in our lives. The same thing that I've got to do is the same thing all of us have to do. Put in the work, be proactive, take the time, learn what it has to say, and then figure out how to put it into practice. Bevan talked about something in the announcements. He talked about how um, growth groups are getting ready to get started. And uh, this next round of groups that start actually just over a week away, they're going to be doing a study called A Quick Tour of the Bible, Finding Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. So they're going to kind of march through the entire Bible and focus on some key ideas. And the groups, um, this, this round, it's six weeks long. They meet once a week for six weeks. Actually, all the groups are doing it. The adult groups are doing it. Also, student ministry are doing the study as well. So it's kind of a fun opportunity as families to talk about the same things that they're learning. But what you do in the group is you get together, you discuss an idea from God's word, you then figure out, okay, based on that idea, how do we usually think? How do we usually live? What are, what are some of our normal tendencies? And then you consider, well, so based on what God has said and based on what I normally do, what do I need to do so that I can, I can align myself with how God says to live and how God says to think? And something that we're um, doing this winter that I'm really excited about, this next round of groups, is we've made up these little booklets, and uh, we're going to give these to everybody that does a group, so we'll hand them out at the first group meeting. And what they are is, um, as we go through the study, they provide four readings for every week, and the readings consist of anywhere from one chapter to two chapters of the Bible, so it's very manageable. You go through it in the week. It helps you kind of think through some of the main ideas that you'll talk about in the group discussion, some of the uh, key ideas that are presented in the Bible. There's questions on the days, simple questions to answer, but it just helps you apply your mind a little more so you might get a little more out of it. And what I really like about this is this is an opportunity, this kind of gives us a roadmap for each of us to get started reading the Bible on your own. So what you do is you take this, you put in the time on your own to read the Bible, figure out what God has to say, see how that applies to your life, and then you go to the group and you've probably experienced what I've experienced in groups. There's times where you'll read a passage and you think, oh, that was good, but I really have no idea what that has to do with me. And then you go to the group and you hear somebody else talking about it and talking about how they were challenged or how they put an idea into practice and you start to think, oh, that, that actually does have to do with me and I, I should probably do that too. So this study, it kind of takes that you know, personal time, personal investment, and then it adds to that the group time, the group discussion, so you can get more and more out of it. So then, again, we can take this as a resource to spend the time learning what God has to say, figure out how to put it into practice, reset our minds, and make sure the ideas that we're building with are the ideas that God has given us from his word, from the user manual. And this is important because with with all the ideas floating around, all of us are prone to believe and build on faulty ideas. None of us are immune from that. All of us need to regularly get out the user manual 
and reset our thinking. We need to make sure the ideas we're building on are the ideas that God, are based on how God says for us to live. These groups, these are a great way to do it. It, it will take time. It's going to take time. If you do this, it's going to take time to do the daily readings. It's going to take time out of your week to either do the online group or do the in-person group. It, there's no way around it. It's going to take time. It's an investment. But you want to make sure that the ideas you're building your life on are out of the user manual and not just what's popular or not just the, the ideas that you come up with. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you did provide us with a user manual, a very detailed, thorough one where we are not in the dark and there is a tremendous amount of clarity and there is access to wisdom far beyond our years so that as we build our lives, we can build on what is true and what is right and what will lead to the best future. So I thank you that we are not in the dark. I do ask that you would help us to be proactive, that we wouldn't take the mentality that we do towards electronics device and apply that to the rest of our lives. But when it comes to the ideas, the big ones and then the very personal daily ones that we build on, that we would take the time and proactively ask the question, what does God say about this? How does he instruct me to build? I thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen.